Good morning. Happy Trinity Sunday to you. Trinity Sunday is the week after Pentecost. It came in, found its way into the Christian tradition later in the, in the Christian year, but we celebrate that God is mysteriously Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So uh, we, we caught that in our last song, Holy, 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 and we continue to keep that in mind this morning. Well, it has been suggested that many churches often fail to tap into the natural abilities of their members. I have not done the research myself, but I suspect that they are on to something. Listen to this true story as told in the book, Living Your Strengths. This is the book we're encouraging you all to to pick up for free so that you can take an online assessment and more fully live your strengths. As of now, I think we have four left, and we have about 20 more coming in. So the end goal, of course, of living our strengths is the advancement of Jesus' mission, a mission which the disciple Peter calls in Acts the restoration of all things. So here's the story, and consider whether you've experienced something like this as well. A married couple in their early 30s, Liz and Rick, moved to a new city, and it's not the Schmalls Reads, it's just a coincidence. <laughs> That's really what it is, though. After several months of searching, they found a congregation to join. They went through new member orientation and told the coordinator they wanted to get involved in the church. Now, a few weeks after they joined, they got the call from the coordinator asking them to be greeters for the services during July. So Rick and Liz agreed and dutifully showed up to shake hands with congregants for five Sundays in July. Now, the couple had almost diametrically opposed reactions to the experience. Are you familiar with this? I loved it, recalls Liz. This was great. I like meeting new people, and being a greeter made me feel like I was making a contribution to the congregation. I'd do it every week if I could. But Rick's reaction was not so positive. He remembers it was like pulling teeth. I was really uncomfortable. I didn't know what to say or to do. It doesn't come naturally for me like it does for Liz. I guess I'm just shy by nature. I sure hope no one asks me to do this again. Sound familiar? By asking Rick and Liz to serve as greeters, the coordinator was subscribing to the myth that an active member is a faithful member. The coordinator must have thought anybody can be a greeter, after all, it's a great way to know the congregation, the members of the congregation. So she asked Liz and Rick to fill roles in the congregation without first discovering their natural abilities, their talents. She lucked out with Liz, who will likely become more engaged by the experience, but if she continues to ask Rick to be a greeter, he will become disengaged very quickly. So why did Liz and Rick react differently? Why do you react differently to your neighbor when asked to do things in church. Well, in this case, it's because Liz loves to meet new people and to win them over, and so it's a natural fit for her. But for Rick, he would rather deepen existing relationships than form a bunch of new ones. It wasn't as natural for him. And so the, the conclusion, the questions are asked, uh, how about you? Have you found your place in your church? Do you have the opportunity to do what you do best on a regular basis, to use your talents and strengths? Do you find joy, satisfaction, and growth in the ways that you serve God, your church, and other people? If you answer no to any or all of these questions, read on. Your life at church, not to mention your personal family or professional life, could be a lot more fulfilling. 
So that's what we're after at Heartland Community Church. That's why we've been examining the topic of spiritual gifts and God-given talents for the last six weeks. We desire to do church in a way that every person's spiritual gifts and natural abilities are known and put to good use. We desire to turn talents into strengths. We desire this because as leaders, we hold three beliefs. First, we believe that operating on the basis of strengths will bring you more personal fulfillment and joy in every area of your life. Second, we believe that a church filled with individuals living their strengths will be able to accomplish far more together for the mission of Jesus. And third, we believe that God set it up this way. That being said, we should say that the tool called StrengthsFinder is just that, a tool. And it's a human-made one at that. It is not divinely inspired. There are limitations to it, and it's in need of some corrections. I would even say it's in need of certain theological corrections. So that's where the book of Proverbs comes in this morning. You see, the Proverbs and StrengthsFinder share something in common. They both are aimed at helping people live well in their daily lives. They're both very practical in that sense. StrengthsFinder says that living well is primarily about living your strengths. Proverbs responds by saying, living well includes living your strengths, but living well is primarily about living with God. Do you see the difference? And most of the time, the Proverbs will tell us, life with God includes living one's strengths, but sometimes we're called to serve out of a place of weakness. So that's the corrective that scripture offers to the strengths finder. Sometimes we're called to serve out of a place of weakness. Usually it's living out of our strengths, and I think strengths finder is really helpful in that as we do that, but sometimes we're called to serve out of a place of weakness. So Jonah, you remember the story of Jonah? Jonah is a good example of the correction needed. Do you suppose Jonah had a strength for preaching to his enemies, the Ninevites? <laughs> of course not, but he had a call to do it, even though it was the last thing on earth he wanted to do. In fact, the story goes that he would rather live in the belly of a whale than bring good news to the Ninevites, his enemies. Yet, faithfulness to God required him to serve out of a place of weakness. So that's the sort of correction the witness of Scripture applies to what's called strengths psychology, from which we get the tool StrengthsFinder. Usually, living well includes living your strengths. So that's why StrengthsFinder is so helpful. But living well is primarily about living with God. And sometimes God calls you to a place of discomfort and weakness. So in light of all this, we focus our attention this morning on the Proverbs. We'll make a few connections to StrengthsFinder when appropriate, but most of our gaze will be fixed on the God-breathed Proverbs. Through it all, my prayer this morning is that all of us would hear the call of God to live wisely. My prayer is that all of us would be inspired by the Spirit to take the next most faithful step of obedience. Sound like a plan? Got one. Good. First, let me say a little bit more about the book of the Bible we called Proverbs. I asked Gary Hall earlier, and he could not remember the last time he's heard a sermon called Proverbs, so I think a little introduction is in order. 
For some reason, the Proverbs have lost their popularity among Christians in recent years. I'm not sure why, because for centuries, Christians held this book in high regard, referring to it frequently. In fact, in the 17th century, one group of Christians called this book the most reliable guide to the holy life. Today, one scholar calls them rightly instructions in the art of living well. That's what the Proverbs are about. They teach us how to live well. They make the wisdom of God perfectly practical. They state plainly the way things work in God's world, and they show how we are to operate within it if we are to flourish. For all of these reasons, we can picture the book of Proverbs as a deep well filled with drops of wisdom intended for daily daily life. But I must caution you. You can only drink so much at a time. Trying to read straight through the Proverbs is like trying to drink the whole well. It just doesn't work. If you tried it, you know what I'm talking about. It's, there's no plot, no narrative arc. It's just one after the other after the other. That's because the Proverbs are meant to be pondered one at a time. We should sip them slowly, swirling them around with our tongue, delighting in each drop with every taste bud. And this way, as we sip on the Proverbs one at a time, we make room for the Spirit of God to enrich us, correct us, and guide us through the ordinary movements of our lives. So, the deep well of wisdom summons us. It invites us to come and drop our buckets and start tasting its sweetness. We hear of this invitation in Proverbs chapter 2. You may want to turn there. Now, before we read, let us pray. Triune God, source of all wisdom, we are thirsty for practical guidance and hungry to know how to live our lives well. So we come to you, Heavenly Father, for you are the maker of this world with all its order and patterns. We come to you, Jesus Christ, for all things were created through you and for you, and in you all things hold together. And we come to you, Holy Spirit, for yours is the whispering voice that directs us daily into the good life of following Jesus. Holy Trinity, mysterious three-in-one, we recognize the reality of your existence, and we pray for you to teach us wisdom in this hour. Amen. Proverbs 2, hear the invitation of the Lord from the Common English Bible. My son, my daughter, accept my words and store up my commands. Turn your ear toward wisdom. Stretch your mind toward understanding. Call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. Seek it like silver and search for it like a hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. This is the word of the Lord. Wisdom invites you to come and drink from her well. And like any well, you must first trust that the water is clean. You must have enough confidence that the well is 
trustworthy. So it makes sense that the Lord's first invitation to us is an invitation to childlike trust. My child, accept these words. My child, trust my words. One cannot begin to drink from the well of practical wisdom without first trusting the source of wisdom. One cannot begin to learn the art of living well if one does not trust the professor. Or to put it in New Testament terms, one cannot become a disciple of Jesus without sure confidence in the master himself. So I pray that you know God to be trustworthy. Friends, let us not lean on our own understanding, which has led us down some dark and painful roads, but instead trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will show you which path to take. For some, this first step will be exceedingly difficult. It may take some time for God to earn your trust, so to speak. This is especially true if you have built up false concepts of God, perhaps even based on untrue things immature Christians have said and done. You may need to experience significant healing in your life as you make your way to fully trusting God. But the good news is that that's why Jesus came, to heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. This is the Jesus who promised that those who seek find. So when we come to know that God is really trustworthy and out for our good, then we are able to heed wisdom's invitation to accept the Lord's word, as Proverbs 2 says. All of this, of course, is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is God's grace in action, and it is also God's grace that empowers the next step, the step toward wisdom. For this next step, imagine that you're on, you're on a treasure hunt. That's the image Proverbs 2 provides. Search for wisdom like hidden treasure. Embark on a treasure hunt for wisdom. You guys look far too sad to be on a treasure hunt. Treasure hunts are exciting. Come on, haven't you been on a treasure hunt? This requires, first, a strong motivation to start the quest. It also requires perseverance to endure the rigors of the search. Remember, the Proverbs are instructions in the art of living well. If you desire to live well, then the Proverbs tell us that you must get serious about it. You must seek it like silver, the text says. I'm told that in the ancient world, silver mining was an occupation few would choose. Miners had to be lowered by ropes into deep, narrow shafts. It was rigorous work, but the few who were up for the adventure, the treasure made everything worth it. For the few who were up for the adventure, the treasure made everything worth it. So it is with the search for wisdom. How motivated are you to live well? How serious are you about living life to the fullest? And how confident are you that following Jesus will get you there? These are questions well worth our time. And Proverbs 2 suggests 
that if we are to make any significant progress along the path of living well, then we must want it and want it badly. We must call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. We must seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure. This is strong language, and such is the search for wisdom. We must no longer be content with comfortable mediocrity. We cannot take up the quest for doing what, by doing what everyone else is doing with their time. This is the narrow path of which Jesus speaks. If we want practical wisdom for daily life, if we want to live life to the fullest, we must treat the search for wisdom like a treasure hunt. But the good news, the great news, really, is that we have everything we need. The disciple Peter celebrates this in his second letter. God's divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So we have everything we need to live a good life, a godly life. For our purposes today, I must add that we have in our hands a well-written map called the Proverbs, which will lead us to the treasure. And thanks to Jesus, we have within us a reliable compass called the Holy Spirit, who is eager to speak to us. We only need to become still enough to listen. Be still and know that I am God. We only need to clear out the distractions for a little while, to drown out the noise and the busyness, and listen to God's voice. It's all around us. It's near. It's within. All we must do is listen. Easier said than done. But it can be done. We know it can be done because we can tell by the looks of it that the path we're on is well-worn. We're not the first ones to try to walk the path of wisdom. One scholar writes, the path is a public walkway. Many feet have cleared over it over a period of time, and repeated use keeps it open. What's more, we have beside us friendly companions making the quest with us. Look to your left, and then to your right. Give your neighbor a smile, would you? These are your friendly companions. <laughs> so what do you say? Are you ready to start the quest for treasure? All right, one taker. Woo, two takers. According to the map called Proverbs, there are so many potential places to dig for the treasure. Chapters 10 through 29 are where we find what's called Proverbs proper. The surrounding material is also remarkable poetry, but the little nuggets of wisdom, they're found in chapters 10 through 29. And so we're going to, to deal with four of these Proverbs today. We only have time for four of these destinations, but that should be enough to show you how it's done. Hopefully, it's also enough to give you motivation and confidence to explore other places in the Proverbs in the coming weeks. You may even want, this is a practice you may want to consider, you may even want to take a proverb a day, just one, and dwell with it throughout the day. Then the next day, you could either keep sipping on the same one, or you could choose to move on to the next one. And on and on, the treasure hunt goes. That's my prayer, at least, for myself and for you. 
So the first destination is Proverbs 16, verse 16. You'll find this listed in your bulletin under sermon notes. You'll, you may want to have that handy. I'm going to read it aloud, and then I want us to read it together. So listen to Proverbs 16. Acquiring wisdom is much better than gold, and acquiring understanding is better than silver. Say it with me, would you? Acquiring wisdom is much better than gold, and acquiring understanding is better than silver. Let that turn over in your tongue. Taste its flavors. Discover its nuances. We might want to update the language to our own context, and so the message paraphrase reads, Get wisdom. It's worth more than money. Choose insight over income every time. Are you beginning to see how turning a single proverb over and over in your mind throughout a day has the potential to transform the way you experience that day? And if you make this a simple daily practice, can you imagine the effects it could have on your life and on your soul over many years? That's why the Proverbs have long been a popular favorite among ordinary people throughout the centuries. That's why 400 years ago, a group called them the most reliable guide to the holy life. And that's why one scholar calls them instructions in the art of living well. So maybe this particular proverb makes someone think twice about taking on more hours at work. Get wisdom. It's worth more than money. Maybe it offers a second opinion to financial decisions. Choose insight over income every time. Maybe it calls into question the priorities of your life and offers a way forward to a more sane schedule. I don't know the work it will do on you, but if you stick with it long enough, I assure you that it will work its magic. Rather, the Holy Spirit will go to work on your heart and character through this exercise. And not long after, you will find yourself walking more firmly on the path of wisdom. That's what the Proverbs do for us. So before we go on to our second destination, you may have noticed some additional words in your bulletin following each parable. After, that, after this one, it reads, relates to strategic thinking category. You see that there? I'm going to pull this out. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Here's where we put StrengthsFinder and conversation with the Proverbs. According to StrengthsFinder, there are 34 themes of talents. That's what this insert is all about. I'm confident you'll see yourself in a few of these descriptions. And I really do believe that finding yourself in a few of these and developing these talents into strengths will truly help you along the journey of living well. Now, of particular relevance to this proverb is a handful of strengths that fall under the category of strategic thinking. These are the ones with the red color code next to them. The proverb, this proverb on acquiring understanding, it probably connects more quickly with strategic thinking types. You know how we all have different favorites, right? Favorite verses in scripture, ones that resonate more quickly with us than they do to other people. I think this one resonates more to strategic thinking types. I love learning, these types say. So, of course, let's get to it. Let's acquire understanding. Let's accumulate more knowledge. 
Do you see how the task of gaining understanding comes more naturally for these types of people? Now, that's not to say the rest of us shouldn't do it. Of course, we should all acquire wisdom and understanding. That's the corrective offered by the Proverbs. There's stuff we're still called to do, even if we're not good at it, and even if it doesn't come naturally. Remember Jonah. If we're going to live wisely and well, we're going to have to do some things that don't come naturally, regardless of whether we feel like it or not. So that's, that's part of the, the balance here. But I think Finder is right in claiming that there are some folks who have a knack for strategic thinking. There are some folks for whom it is easier to accumulate understanding than others. Now, others have other talents. That's the whole logic of it. But if that's the case, that there are some who have a knack for strategic thinking, then they should be the ones that are leading the way, humbly, living their strengths for the glory of God. Does that make sense? you tracking it all? I told Stephanie earlier that this, this sermon has the potential to fall flat on its face, so I hope, uh, I hope you're tracking with me. Do you see how the God-inspired Proverbs and the human-made strengths finder, how they can both help us along the path of living well? Now let's move on to a second destination. We now begin to dig for treasure at the location of Proverbs 18, verse 20. Do you see that in your bulletin? I'll read it, and then we'll read it together. The stomach is satisfied by the fruit of our mouth. One's lips can earn a satisfying income. Read that with me. The stomach is satisfied by the fruit of the mouth. One's lips can earn a satisfying income. I find that this proverb relates well to what Finder calls the talent of communication. Here's what it says about this theme. People exceptionally talented in the communication theme generally find it easy to put their thoughts into words. They are good conversationalists and presenters. Do you know anyone like this? Or perhaps you're like this? To the person who has turned this natural talent of communication into a strength, Proverb 18.20 rings true. The stomach is satisfied by the fruit of the mouth. One's lips can earn a satisfying income. In other words, you can actually make a living by applying your strength of communication in the workplace. You can satisfy the fruit of your mouth by talking. Many people do. Perhaps you're one of them. A salesperson, for example, would be one of them. If you are, then I'd encourage you to develop this gift of communication even more. And not just for an income, but for the communication of the good news of Jesus Christ to ordinary people who would greatly benefit from a simple hearing of the gospel. So are you starting to get the hang of how this works? Are you starting to see how we can gain wisdom both in the Proverbs and in Finders? How we can live well by attending to both of these. We move now to the third destination, Proverbs 18, verse 24. There are persons for companionship, but then there are friends who are more loyal than family. Say it with me. There are persons for companionship, but then there are friends who are more loyal than family. I hope you have friends like this. 
my one? Probably not. I don't know your mom. <laughs> of course, we are all invited by our Lord to drink of this proverb for a long time and to allow it to shape us into the type of friends who are more loyal than family. In a society where far too few of us have such close friends, this could be a transformative proverb to chew on. I heard a while back the report of two studies. One showed that the square footage of our homes has progressively gotten larger since 1950. The other showed that the amount of friends we say that we can count on has decreased progressively since 1950. Our homes are getting bigger, and our friends are getting fewer. The reporter made this conclusion. We live in a culture willing to exchange friends for square footage. There are persons for companionship, but then there are friends who are more loyal than family. This proverb, if we internalize it, will help all of us in the art of living well, won't it? But there are some individuals for whom this relational work will come more naturally. These folks have natural talents in a theme called relator. If you look at your insert, people exceptionally talented in the relator theme enjoy close relationships with others. They find deep satisfaction in working hard with friends to achieve a goal. So again, we all do well to sip on this proverb, and we all do well to pray for the Spirit to help us enjoy closer friendships. But for some people, this will come more naturally, and for others, it'll take a bit more work. And if you're the type of person for whom it comes naturally, please teach the rest of us how to become better friends. I think that's what we learn when we put strengths finder and conversation with the Proverbs. Let's move on now to our last destination for this morning. Let's see what treasure we can unearth at our last stop. Proverbs 14, verse 23. There is profit in hard work, but mere talk leads to poverty. Say it with me. There is profit in hard work, but mere talk leads to poverty. This is the maxim of the Dutch. <laughs> this is the maxim also of the achiever. People exceptionally talented in the achiever theme work hard and possess a great deal of stamina. They take immense satisfaction in being busy and productive. Because of this natural ability, folks like this, I think, will be drawn to this proverb. They, they will connect with it readily with the hopes that other people get their tails in gear. After all, there is profit in hard work, but mere talk leads only to poverty. But while some individuals will naturally like this proverb more than others, we all need to hear it as God's word. We all need to turn it over perhaps memorizing it, then it will do its work on us. People like me, the strategic thinking type, especially need to hear this proverb. Of course, thinking can also be hard work, don't get me wrong, but I need my neighbors gifted with talents in what's called the executing domain 
to remind me to put these ideas into action. Now, it's in this acknowledgement that I need people with other talents to remind me to put ideas into action. It's in this acknowledgement that we come full circle to what Paul and Peter taught us about spiritual gifts. And that is, we need each other. In order to live well, we need each other. In order to live our strengths, we need each other. In order to reach our potential, both as individuals and as a church community called to join God in mission, we need each other. As it is, there are many parts but one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. Well, there you have it. I hope that at least begins our quest for a life lived well in the presence of God by introducing you to the practice of digging for treasure in the Proverbs and the practice of living your strengths. I'd like to close by saying together a prayer from St. Augustine found on the bottom of your sermon notes. So get those back out again if you happen to put it away. Augustine is the Christian teacher who informs us that all truth is God's truth, and all truth is in Jesus Christ. Have you heard that maxim before? All truth is God's truth, and all truth is in Jesus Christ. Augustine teaches that we are wise to pay attention to wisdom wherever it is found, even if it's found outside of the church. This is because the common grace that God has worked into creation— benefits us all. God has given us all rational minds, and God has worked into creation patterns and order and wisdom. So we can find wisdom in all sorts of places, Augustine reasons, even in places like social sciences and strengths psychology and through a tool called StrengthsFinder. Of course, some things will need corrected and adapted, and God will help us with that. And some things will need discard it altogether, as we've discovered. But it's the church that can make even greater use of such wisdom because we are on mission with Jesus to restore all things, empowered by the Holy Spirit to make that happen. So let's close with Augustine's prayer found on the bottom of the sermon notes. Pray this with me. My God, I give thanks to you, my source of sweet delight. And my glory and my confidence, I thank you for your gifts. Keep them for me, for in this way you will keep me. The talents you have given will increase and be perfected. And I will be with you since it was your gift to me that I exist. Amen.